Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today we talk to author Jonathan Hammond about how the ancient Hawaiian teachings of Huna wisdom can help us elevate our consciousness to higher levels with earth and the universal consciousness within all of us. So with that, Jonathan, welcome to Merkaba Chakras and aloha. Good to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, I I I do love some aloha in my life. So I try to sneak something some of these in. Understood. Well, I'm 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 coming to you from Maui. So uh, oh, I love it. I love it. And everybody stay safe in Maui because um, I was just talking to Jonathan and there seems to be some active wildlife going on on the shores there. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, a little shark bite a couple of days ago. Not for me, but uh, uh, yeah, but it happens. It happens. Oh, oh my. That's, that's one of the things whenever I go to Hawaii, um, that's one of the things I'm always kind of like nervous about is the because the sharks seem to be getting a little bit closer and closer. And I think it's just because we're just more and more people. Maybe. And people are just being more adventurous and all the different boogie boards and paddle boards and all the different things. And now everybody's starting to create them to look like animals underneath too. <laughs> so not so wise, but... Oh, that's a whole different um, episode. So let's let's dig into this wonderful work that you have offered to people. So before we get into your work, can you, um, Jonathan, tell us your story for how you even got into Huna wisdom? Uh, well, I was a, a shamanic practitioner for many years, and to, in my mind, shamanism kind of lived in in South America, Central America, and um, and so all my all my training was was uh, was in that. And I worked with shamans in, um, well, now on, on three different continents. And what I was fascinated by was uh, a sense of no matter where I went, they all, there was a universal way of working and a universal way of thinking uh, that all, all the shamans that I worked with seemed to have. And I didn't really know what it was. And, and, um, uh, but I, I, could, I could feel that they were all uh, drawing from the same same kind of set of ideas. Uh, I, I've had the good fortune of just visiting Hawaii many times, and I never really thought to look here for spiritual influence. It was just, uh, like I said, Hawaiian shamanism wasn't, wasn't on my radar, but I did have really profound experiences with the land, um, metaphysical experiences, uh, uh, ascension experiences. Um, I, I write about them in, uh, uh, in, in my book. And, um, 
And that made me curious and that made me look further. And then I came upon uh, this shamanic philosophy that comes mm -hmm. from the heart of Polynesia called Huna. And uh, you've heard all of these ideas, but I'd never heard them in one place so mm -hmm. eloquently um, uh, 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 placed. And what I found in really diving into the principles of Huna was that, aha, the, this is the universal sham shamanic mind. And the reason why I named my book The Shaman's Mind mm -hmm. is because, because um, it, it's from this philosophy that we can enter into or see through the lens of how the shamans think. And there are, there are seven ideas that, are, um, that I read about in the book that, that come from this philosophy that help any, any, the reader or anyone enter into um, seeing the world and seeing themselves through the lens of, of how shamans think, how they work mm -hmm. with energy, intention, love, uh, uh, the present moment um, to make things happen. Mm -hmm. and, so uh, we'll, and, yeah. Right. So there's there's a lot in in how you got into here that I really want to kind of like explore a little bit more um, because everybody comes into this experience um, a little bit different. And so um, just, you know, some people will relate to certain things and, and be unclear about others. So what you said is you were coming into Hawaiian shamanism or Huna wisdom or, um, you know, there's, there's different names for it. But you said that you had some metaphysical experiences with the land. So mm -hmm. what was the metaphysical experiences with the land of Hawaii that you had? Uh, well, there were many of them. Uh, there, there was just a sense, you know, a, a, a basic tenet to, to what shamanism is, is it is a, uh, a reverence of nature and, uh, and using nature as a template to teach us how to be. And okay. just like all things in nature fit together, all things in nature are independent, interdependent with each other. Uh, all things in nature are always moving towards growth and creation. And we could even say that if, if everything in nature is moving towards growth and creation, that anything that wants to create more of itself is fueled by love. Mm -hmm. so, you know, so we, in some way, use nature as a template to teach us how to be, that we're supposed to be fueled by love and moving to our, towards our growth and creation, knowing that we're interdependent uh, from everything else as well. So uh, a, a really basic idea in shamanism is the idea that everything is alive, responsive, and wants to connect. And what I found here was just a sense of why do I feel like this tree is wanting to connect with me? Why do I have mm -hmm. a, a, a thought form that is um, negative and a big wave comes and smacks me? And then I have a thought, a thought form that is beautiful and, and the wave changes and, you know, and that sort of communication. And then yes. I, had a, I, I had a specific experience on the, on the volcano, Haleakala, um, that I, I read about in my book. Um, and it was, I, I can only describe it as I, I, I took a hike in, into Haleakala and I sat down and I, I was, there was a whiteout of clouds around me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and there was this, uh, I, I was forced to lie back and, uh, and somehow I didn't cut myself on the rocks by the fact that I was really pushed back, um, you know, cause a lot of rock can be sharp. And I had this life review, this um, this experience that I was communing with with uh, source, with with God, with the mother, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there was an awareness that 
it knew it, what was happening. Not only was I aware of it, but it was aware of me and it was aware that this was. Um, and at that time in my life, I was in a whole other profession. Um, mm-hmm. What were you in? Uh, I was a, I was a professional actor for, for many mm-hmm. years. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I had always, I, not always, but I had been disillusioned with acting for, for some time, despite relative success in New York. And, um, but I was really feeling a call to, um, to, uh, to become more professionally spiritual, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was in this visitation with with uh, Haleakala uh, that I I realized that it was time, and um, from that moment to in that moment, I went. You have to quit. You have to uh, create your practice. You have to create healing retreats around the world. And this was very counterintuitive for everyone who knew me. I went to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I went to a very fancy drama school. I, you know, I, I did yeah. Broadway credits, all of that. And mm-hmm. it was so it was a very counterintuitive thing for me to to say it's time really to let that go. Yeah. Uh, and that was really the beginning of. And again, again, it was um, at that point I didn't even know what Huna was, nor was I, nor was Hawaiian shamanism really even on my radar. It was yeah. just these experiences with the land that kept bringing me back here. And then- So you kept, coming back, really, so you kept pulling you back to Hawaii, huh? Yeah, kept pulling me back. And, and, yeah. then, and then I started, I started writing a book on, um, on Hawaii that took a, a year and a half. And I was in New York City and there was a sense of, as I was writing, that I was kind of channeling the islands in my mind. I just felt like I was, I was so connected to, um, and I, I, like I said, I have come here a lot. Um, but, uh, and so Hawaii was, and, and Hawaii kept showing up in New York all over the place. I had an experience, um, I had, I had an office in New York city and on Friday, one Friday a month, uh, a group of psychics were, would rent it out, you know, and mm-hmm. do the psychic circle. And, uh, I didn't go that night. Um, uh, and the head facilitator called me, um, at the end of their, at the end of their meeting. And he said, what's going on with Hawaii? And I said, I said, why are you asking me this? He said, well, all the psychics were getting these Polynesian gods and goddesses in your office. And they were on their phones Googling them. And we figured out that they were Hawaiian. And he had no, no knowledge that I, was, um, that I had uh, any connection there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 5,000 miles away from the islands, I was, uh, I was just really downloading all of this, um, uh, all of this energy and this, uh, this wisdom from, from here. Yeah, so I... So, so that's the metaphysical experience that you had with the land and you left and it still was calling you back. Um, now you said you had a life review also when you were having these experiences or what you call ascension experiences, where you're left. Ascension is just another fancy word for leveling up your consciousness to higher frequencies. That's all it is, people. Sure, Nothing sure. magical. It's just raising, sure. ascending your frequency in Buddhism. Uh, you know what? I would even say it's not even, it's, it, it wasn't even that, comp- uh, uh, it wasn't even that fancy. It was just a sense of, oh, everything in my life, every mistake I've made, every bad decision I've made, every wrong turn I've made, every misfortune has all led to and there was a rightness to all of it right. that has led to this moment and this shift in my life, you know, and, exactly. and it was just in that moment where, where, you know, in, in, uh, in Huna, we think of all time happening only in the present moment. Yep. And it was like my, my life up to that point just congealed in some way that, um, that allowed me to, to move on with, with a kind of a fresh set of eyes from that moment onward. Yeah. So when you were reviewing your life review up yeah. until this point, 
you had come to some understanding that, okay, it's time to let go of who you were as the actor in New York, et cetera, et cetera, and embrace the energy healing instructor, teacher, Hawaiian wisdom um, facilitator. That's right. And then it was was about seven years later that I wrote, that I wrote the book, The Shaman's Mind. Seven years later. We had a seven year crash course. Yeah. That's that's really fast. That's really fast. Um, You know, I'm from the Hmong tribe of Laos and Mm -hmm. we have ancient shamanism that stems from the ancient folklores in Buddhism of Mu or Le Mu Ria. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually following folk Buddhist folklores for a book series that I'm writing called Megaliths, Pyramids and Tribal Folklores of Mu. So I start from Laos with a plane of jars and I go all the way through the islands, connect all the megaliths and pyramids with the folklores and the spiritual traditions, which all very much are shaman- shamanistic and mystical uh, with the connection to nature and um, the all being all the way and end up in Hawaii. So, um, and that's the end of the um, Buddhist Lemurian Art, folklore archaeology that begins to spring forth into today's modern understanding of the remnants of Lemurian spirituality um, that is very live in Huna wisdom in Hawaii. So, um, you know, can you explain how Huna wisdom in Hawaii is a remnant spiritual tradition from the lost continent of Lemuria, according to your book? Yeah, so there is, uh, uh, and, and again, no one can ever know. This is mainly channeled information. Um, uh, no one can ever know, but there's there's certainly enough, a, a, as you are doing in your own research, there's enough um, ab- evidence to point toward something like this. But, uh, but millennia ago, mm-hmm. there was this huge continent in the middle of mm-hmm. the South Pacific where Hawaii now stands mm-hmm. called Mu, M-U. And, uh, and this was a place, it's been theorized that, that the Mu people, and even the word people isn't the right word because they were really beings who, are, who were said to have come from the stars in mm-hmm. some way were attracted to Mu because they were attracted to the water. Because mm-hmm. the water as the DNA in, of the planet holds memory. And so yep. these, these kind of off-planet beings came to sort of infect the water, so to speak, with the God molecule, with love. And just as we're all evolving, it was at, at that time of the earth, the earth is evolving too. The earth is waking up as we are waking up. And at that time, it was time for uh, a universal love or aloha right. to, to come in and be infused in the water. And because everything is made of water or dependent on water in some way or touched by water, that that God molecule essentially was the beginning of esoteric consciousness now there's another theory that says that uh that uh hawaii wasn't the recipient of 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 that but was um or sorry wasn't the originating place of that but the recipient of esoteric wisdom from around the world and who really knows but the point Mm -hmm. is we're we're in a real vortex here Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the origins of love that's why that's why hawaiians run around shouting in love at each other you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, because I've there, heard that it's the heart chakra of the earth right now that's is in Hawaii. That's right. that's right. And everyone, you know, everyone is, um, you know, is saying is literally saying love to each other, you know, and, and um, uh, you know, aloha, if you translate that word to share life experience with another, to share happiness yeah. with another. 
to share a joy with another. And, right. and every time that that uh, that word is said, that's that's the so so it's very infused in the land itself. This sense of this sense of sharing, this sense of um, uh, and the sense of 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 sharing happiness that that the sharing of life force is uh the, the creation of happiness that's infused in and so that that comes from really pre-hawaiian um right. uh, uh, uh anthropology sort of spiritual anthropo uh, anthropology right um, so so that's that's sort of my um understanding of it and again i can't prove it but it makes sense to me and wow. and i think and i think that that is so much um about what uh, living a spiritual life and being on whatever spiritual path you're on is about is that for some reason it feels true and it right. feels, or it even feels like something that I want to believe right, and that right. feeling of itself is is um enters you into a reality where 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 that that reality becomes more real for you, you know? yeah you manifest it you attract it you create it it's created within your consciousness you know um just, just for those who, because I have a lot of people who uh, watch the podcast and they also read my other books, and I kind of touch a little bit about the remnant folklores of Mu or Lemuria in Buddhism, in the Buddhist spiritual tradition. So, um, you know, the background for the the Hmong Laos understanding of Mu um, is that, like, Buddhism is a was created by Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, the first Buddha. Um, he found the basic principles and then more Buddhas and more Bodhisattvas in the tradition added to and added to it. It's basically just a university of metaphysic knowledge about how we create re physical reality and form based off of our consciousness and our psychology. Um, the earliest Buddhism, if you go further into it, it's basically psychology and uh, psychiatry. So, because it is our consciousness that creates it all. Um, anyways, that's a simplistic understanding. And some remnants of Hinduism goes into it as well. And then in Southeast Asia, as it expanded, you have um, tribal peoples from ancient um, Mu and their folklores after the mega flood and the empire of Mu um, and their shamanistic understanding of their connection to, to earth and universal consciousness also got adapted into Buddhism and um, rec recorded in art history in all of our temples and um, in our culture. So it just kind of got incorporated in, even though many Southeast Asian people and Laos people are Buddhist, it got incorporated in as part of the tradition because they jive very well. It's all very under universal understanding of metaphysics and consciousness. Anyways, fast forward, that's the that's the folklore and as i started looking at uh the folklore for my project and started going to look and talking to elders at different tribes along from laos all the way through the pacific islands through japan all the way along the coast all the way up to hawaii there is a similar story and they all corroborate each other and also they all have megaliths and pyramids at their spots. I have yet to finish that project because I have to travel to every single one of these islands and investigate and take pictures for copyright of these megaliths and these ancient pyramid and remnant pyramids and the folklores from the tribal elders and um, associations 
to put the big story together. So what you're saying is not far-fetched from physical archaeological evidence that points to the folklores of Mu being a real existence. Because I followed a Buddhist folklore and I got 100% accuracy on finding physical evidence of pyramids and megaliths and folklores that substantiate it from all these small islands. So, um, so what you're saying is not far off. So these are remnant spiritual traditions that are held in Hawaii, in the Easter Islands, in um, the Samoan Islands, in Japan, going all the way to, um, to Laos. And um, I'm really looking forward to, to, to doing that. So, but what we have today as remnants, aside from that, um, is this beautiful wisdom that we can incorporate today into our lives. So there are seven principles of Huna wisdom that you write in your book. So mm -hmm. what are these seven principles? I only touched on it a little bit earlier, but can you break these down so um, people can kind of get into it as they, you know, once they get into it, they can go into your books, they can go into your healing retreats yeah. and into yeah. your courses. So please explain the seven principles of Huna. Yeah, so they're, they're based on, they're unique translations by Serge Kahili King, who is, who is one of my teachers, who is uh, very much still alive, lives on the big island, uh, of seven Hawaiian words. And there's seven ideas that if you follow, help you enter into the mind of the shaman. By the way, this is my book, The Shaman's Mind, uh, and uh, which, which is uh, all this material is uh, is in there in variation. So uh, I'll just sort of go through them. We can, and, and if you want to stop at any point um, uh, or ask a question, or, or we, we can do that too. So the first principle, uh, ek, is the is the Hawaiian word, and the principle is translated as the world is what you think it is. The world is what you think it is. So what? Ah, this I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Because that is a very basic. Some people see the world as an opportunity to create whatever they want, and others see the world as a slave planet that is basically, imagine all the horrors. And this principle is saying whichever one you believe, your reality will follow suit. Mm. So it's not just how you think about the world will determine your experience of the world, but the world itself, that reality itself shifts and changes based on how you think about it. So, so this is about that we, we, uh, we are truly in a co-creative uh, 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 relationship with our reality. And so what you're thinking about determines what your world is. And let me say this too, what you're uh -huh. thinking about unconsciously, which is the reason why we have to examine that, is also creating, bringing your world into being. I will give some people some real world examples from my personal life of exactly that. So um, recently I um, went to visit my father at the hospital. He's passed away, bless his heart and his soul. But um, before I had left, there is a restaurant in Seattle called Stanford's Restaurant. I love it. They have the greatest salad. I love it. Um, so anyways, love their food. I've been going there for years, but more than five, six years ago, I went there with my husband and boyfriend at the time and I wanted to go um, to get their, their, menu, their food. It was closed, completely closed, bankrupt, shut down, the franchise shut, shut down. And um, I came back recently from the airport, drove by, the restaurant's open. 
And it's all, and I called them. I said, "What happened?" And they're like, oh, "We've always been open. We just shut down for two years ago, just for um, some remodeling, but we 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 open." And I called my best friend, who loves that restaurant too, and she said, "No, no, I went there um, many many years ago." Beyond that, with my mom trying to take her when she came to visit, trying to take her to dinner at Stanford's, and because she, she loves the menu as well, and they were completely sh um, shut down. It was a commercial real estate sign that said that you know, future opportunities, call this number, et cetera, et cetera. So her and I were both going, whoa, like, I don't know if we shifted to another reality. We changed our consciousness and we changed the way that we view something, whatever we did within our consciousness, that th we're in a reality where this restaurant that we love, where we both were bummed that it closed completely, is now open and always has been open. So now we're going to go there for date night and for, for double date night. So. <laughs> So we're pretty happy. We're just gonna, but we're gonna try to get there before the next shift in case the next shift is closed up again. Um, people who are familiar with personal Mandela effects and shifting realities based on your consciousness um, know what I'm talking about. So it's a kind of a dance with reality to try to get the goods while it's still around, <laughs> while you're still in that frequency. So that's one thing with that. And then the other thing about what you said about. Um, about how your consciousness creates your physical reality and we are having this relationship with it is that if you are in a negative mindset about things and you can't get yourself out of it, you will continue to attract more of it to teach you a lesson so that you can overcome it. Yeah, maybe uh, it, it could be to teach you a lesson or it simply could be that, that um, because that's that's uh, where you're lending your consciousness. That's mm. something that you know. That's something that that um, uh, that comes into being. If you think of it more in terms of um, uh, a sense that that um, that that the it, it, because when you talk about lessons, you're talking about spiritual influence, right? And so if you think of that, the spirits that hover around the planet that want to have the bodhisattvas to use a you know a Buddhist term uh, that they and they just want to help, but. Mm. They can only work with what we believe, and we right. partition off and cordon off our uh, what's possible for us based on what it is that we believe. You know, I often use the example: if you're if you're a woman and you're 35 years old and you bought and mom told you that if you're 35 and you're single, you're going to end up alone. You know, that woman mm -hmm. who, who believes that about herself, mm -hmm. you know, as much as the spirits would love to stick the guy next to you on the subway, the spirits <laughs> have to work with that belief, you know, yeah. because, unconscious because, beliefs because the, you're like, where did it come from? Because the spirits would go, uh, we, they're not even, this person is even looking for it. They don't have a mm -hmm. belief where that can even exist. So right. expansive belief systems give spirit simply more to work with mm -hmm. yeah. you know and that's that's really um uh, a way to think of it and you know it's not um uh and and so again in the same way it's anything that anything that you are um lending a lot of uh, clout and legitimacy to that's negative mm -hmm. you know then then becomes how you see the world and how you see you see yourself in relationship to it and the world that you will attract you know yeah. And yeah. so, it's just, and and just to yeah. say this too, it's it's fascinating nowadays with, um, you know, because truth is so uh, up for grabs, you know, right. uh, you know, and that's been sort of politically sanctioned that you know that there isn't, you know, and what's what's very interesting is because everyone has these different truths and these different beliefs about that they will actually attract in evidence on their social media that will that will mirror back their beliefs. 
So mm-hmm. you really you really will attract in a world, even if you're believing something that isn't consensus reality. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm, I'll say something. I'll say something that not. I mean, I mean, I'm entitled to have my own opinion about reality and stuff because it's my reality too. Really? So and if and and if people agree, great. If they don't agree, that's perfectly fine. You create your reality. I'll create mine. But um, even during because we're coming out of the quote quote uh, pandemic yeah. and going into the endemic phase, um, there was a time where I I I remember watching the news and they were saying that the vaccination statistic for COVID was over fifty percent, like fifty seven percent or something like that, and um. And they're trying to get to 70% herd immunity with two vaccinations instead of naturally. And then um, for myself, I'm not a big fan of vaccination passports and um, section off areas and privileges for the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. It just opens up too many areas um, of, just opens up a can of worms. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, doing energy healing and being of the energy healing and this, concept an idea of consciousness and everybody there is people who actually have natural immunity to a lot of things as well so you know, nobody's really factoring that in so anyways that's just my personal opinion when you get it great you don't get it, no problem everybody has a relationship with the doctor everybody ha- has a different relationship with the body and everybody's walking around with different immune immunity i get it but the passports and the um the special privileges for those who are vaccinated and not vaccinated I'm not really on board with that. And when I made that decision, because I'm usually, I usually just kind of let people stick to their polarizing views because that's their decision. I usually stay in the middle, stay in the middle. This is what I typically do. Um, but when I do, when I do see it really, really polarizing, I do have, I do form an opinion. And my opinion is that is where I stop. That, that, that's the boundary. And um, once I made that opinion and I started watching the news, it changed to now there's only in the United States, Last time I heard in the news, it was 37% of um, the U.S. population was vaccinated for COVID. And that's drastically lower than what I had read and watched in the news before. So even the news is changing. And I don't know if it's because I made a, a hard line conscious decision that this was not the reality that I wanted to support and manifest where everybody had to show their vaccination vaccination passports and to get from point A to point B within society. Because when I had a taste of that, and this is when I made a hard line decision, I had a taste of that when my father passed away at the hospital in Fresno and I was booking a thousand dollar flight in the red eye to go and see him to say my piece. And there was a whole page with eight or so different recommended mandates for your vaccination. And I was not going to book this huge flight uh, and leave in three hours if I was going to be, um, if I was going to have some pushback. Um, uh, So I called Alaska Airlines and they explained everything to me. And they said, well, where you're going in Fresno, there is you know, you're not going to LAX, you're not going to San Francisco, there is none of that, you just have to wear a mask at this time, but those are for other cities, so it's like, oh, perfect, great, so I booked it and went to see my father before he passed, but I got a taste of what that lifestyle was going to be like if we went through uh, vaccination passports and privileges and section out stuff, and I was not interested in that hassle because when somebody's dying, 
You don't need those obstacles to get to your loved ones. So I made a very clear decision. And when I made that clear decision, some elements of the pandemic change. So what, so I say that because I want to get your opinion on how, um, how this first rule of Huna wisdom, how, what does it say about that kind of, you know, when, well, you know, you make a, when you make a strong conscious decision about something, how does well, that change you know, your reality? So I, I have a very large private practice. I work with, with literally hundreds of people and things got really busy and have been continued busy since the pandemic started because everyone's freaking out, right? And, uh, yeah, and my, my, my private practice for my six senses yeah. went crazy too, but. Yeah. And, and so like one of the things that, that, um, that has become very clear is that there are uh, pervasive narratives about, let's say, COVID that you watch on television that are actually not the narrative that any of my clients were having. All my clients during, during, that, during uh, the, the most of 2020 were uh, really growing and they were, they were uh, recalibrating their lives and they were leaving relationships or, or entering into new ones, changing, rethinking their jobs, all of that, you know? Yeah. And so from my perspective, I think of COVID more like a spirit because I think it works on each one individually. Now that is just, that is just um, the way in which I have experienced it. Similarly, I have clients who, um, who absolutely uh, believe that, that the vaccine, they want it yesterday. They want it yesterday to move on, and and that's right for them. Right. You know, and they don't have the side effects or whatever. And then I have other clients who are, are very much feel like that would be something that would be very um, unhealthy for me. And you know, I think that like what the opportunity uh, at this time on the planet, the 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 last two thousand years. This is Carl Jung wrote a book called. Um, uh, 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 I'll. I'll uh, He'll come, <laughs> It'll come to me. It'll come to me. But he wrote a book in 1951 and talked about that um, that to the 2,000 years since Christ's birth mm-hmm. was the age was was considered the Piscean age. So this is a time when when we would we would struggle with the battle between good and evil, a battle that we would not win within ourselves. Yes, and it's a battle that we would not we would not win as epitomized by uh, by uh, Christ and his teachings, and mm-hmm. that. In December of 2020, and Carl Jung wrote about this in uh, in 1951, in -hmm. December of 2020, we would begin the age of Aquarius. And the age Mm -hmm. of Aquarius is a time when, as Jung characterized it, when each of us would individuate which means that rather than a battle between uh, our our light and our and our darkness we would integrate the darkness mm-hmm, and, so, mm-hmm. and 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 that's what jung means by the individuation that we take the, the darkness we bring it up to the light of awareness we look at it and we integrate it and right. so that means that everyone individual that when now we're entering into a time where everyone individually is developing their own sense of what is right and true for them mm-hmm. and and um and so I think that that uh, what's been going on on the planet, what's been going on politically with the with the with the uh, virus and with the vaccines or no vaccines, the mass and no mass, is all just about like an invitation toward a different level of autonomy and a yeah. different level of your own decision making and your own sense of what's true and right for you. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I feel like it's just in alignment with what's uh, w- with what's going on. So, right. so that's really my take on it is that is that I don't think that there is a pat answer to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's about uh, about what is right, what is right and true and good for you. Right, you know? right. 
the the thing that I found interesting in my recent experience, because I really, I really, when it comes to these polarizing topics, or um, when it comes to these debates, I really just kind of watch as an observer to see how each side grows. And what I found very interesting is how is when the shoe drops on the other leg. <laughs> That's what I call it. the shoe drops on the other leg. Now you're wearing the other person's shoe as if you are them. And so, um, and so usually whenever some things are so polarizing, so black and white, something new emerges from the middle. Sure. That doesn't want to be part of either side's sure. arguments or stance. And that's typically me. I don't want to be part of either side of the banter um, because I see it's the yin and the yang fighting out. And you have to find a balance to move forward. And so, um, you know, we're all collectively putting our little piece into the, 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 the greater, bigger picture and something's going to shake out. But, um, you know, what I experience going through that experience uh, with my father's passing was that this bantering back and forth is causing a lot of um, struggles for people just trying to live their lives. So um, like for in, in my situation, I was just trying to make it to Fresno to see my father um, before he passed. And I got all these you know, restrictions. And my doctor was like, um, do you want me to write something that your exam that you got paralysis from the flu shot? Do you want me to? Is that what they need? And I said, No, let me talk to them, etc. So we figured it out I got I got got through it. But that was a taste of what that kind of society would be like. And that's when I made a decision. I do not want it. Um, and uh, I'll write it out. So um, with the Huna wisdom, this was this is the this this one is the first one, and this is a very very important one. Your perspective, um, and it starts with this one because this if you get this one, the other ones are easier to get because this one is hard for people to understand that your consciousness creates your, your physical reality, and you, from that that decision on how you see reality, your relationship with how reality is created forms. So, what's the next ones? So. The next one, uh, the next one, it, the Hawaiian word is kala, and the translation is there are no limits. So what this is really saying is that it is a limitless universe, and that that means that anything is possible if you can figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And and so um, what we're really get what we're really getting at with this principle is a sense of not only limitlessness but a sense of um, that there's only one thing. We are each a part of that limitlessness, which means there's only one thing happening and we are each individually experiencing that one thing. We are the aperture through which that one thing is experiencing itself, which means that because there are no limits, what I heal in myself, I heal in the all. What I develop in myself, I develop in the, in, in the all. What I withhold from myself, I withhold from the all. So it's about a sense of a real personal responsibility that we're taking because what we do, no matter what we do without ever leaving our house from this perspective, affects the, the collective. Mm -hmm. and, so it, and so it's really about the recognition that, that we are really truly connected to everything. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it goes that, back to what you're saying about the Carl um, Jung book that you were reading that said that everybody's integrating and becoming unity consciousness. Becoming- that's right. That's right. It, and the more, the more, whatever individual work you do on yourself, that affects mm-hmm. the collective. My, my teacher, yeah. Serge King, he said something that, in a class once that blew my mind. He said, well, if you want to heal someone, think of them and you feel good. You know, and that's really what we're talking about is that is that um, we heal the world by healing ourselves, you know, and we invest in the world by investing in ourselves, you know. So yeah. so that's that principle that 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 it's a limitless universe. We're connected to everything. And because it's a limitless universe to align your beliefs with more of a sense of limitlessness mm-hmm. is to invite in so many more possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I never have a New Year's resolution, because that limits something. A New Year's resolution creates an expectation. I'm going to X, Y, Z. I'm just like, make it great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I do. I I do tend to hold one expectation always, and that's to expect the best. Mm-hmm. That still opens expect, it up. If you expect the best, even if you don't get the best, it'll be way better than where you are now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so good. so that's an expectation that I like to. I like to hold, yeah. But what's the third law? The third, the third? law, third principle. The third principle. Uh, a Hawaiian word is called makia, and the translation is energy flows where our attention goes. Mm-hmm. Energy mm-hmm. flows where our attention goes. So what that means is that where we place our focus and attention with consistency, elicit creative energies that bring to us the nearest equivalent of what we're placing our focus and attention mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So what you focus on and, or give attention to with consistency, there, there's energetic uh, considerations in what you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. So we live in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a symbiotic relationship with the creative energies of the universe. And that relationship gets focused by our focus. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and so this is why it's, it's so important to pay attention to what you're paying attention to, because what you're paying attention to is eliciting the energetic blueprints that are bringing what you're paying attention to yeah. into form, into matter. Yes. And just for you Buddhists out there, that's what they call a Buddha. Buddha is a Sanskrit word. I keep saying this over again for someone who is awake within yeah. our and, holographic and, matrix and you know my my, my teacher aware. Surge, he's you know he's my surge uh, my teacher but i think he's 84 and um he is when he te- teaches a class it is just he's the most um he is so aware of what's mm-hmm. happening in the present moment he's so awake i remember um uh going come he teaching all day and then i i, I was there the next morning and people were asking, oh, what did you do last night? And he said, oh, I was, I, uh, I sat with my wife, Gloria, and I translated a, a documentary into Portuguese just so I could work on my Portuguese. An 84-year-old man after he taught all day, just like, but that's, that's what we're talking yeah. about. And that's why what's happening in your sphere of awareness. And is there, will there doubt come up? Or there, is there crap that will come up? Is there fear that will come up? Of course. But what you're doing with it and what you're choosing to focus on and give legitimacy and clout to through your focus and attention is mm. what's going to bring more of that about or create more, uh, more things along those lines. Mm. So really being aware of what's coming up on your sphere of awareness in yeah. every given moment is what this is about. You know, a lot of times when I teach this material, I'll say to the class, even before I go through the principles, I'll say, so let, I'm going to give you these ideas and they're amazing ideas and you're not going to do it. 
and and because this is about practicing these with with consistency that your Mm. beliefs create reality all the time you know that you really are connected to everything all the time that what you focus on invites in energy to bring about what you're focusing on all the time if you do it all the time that's when the student becomes a master of their own domain that's right because they're doing it now it's not now it's muscle memory that's right and from, and from from my book, this is what I saw that that um, this is what I saw that the, the shamans that I worked with, they all thought this way, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, even something like as simple as as Reiki, you know, so. Uh, so you put your hands on someone if you're Reiki attuned and Reiki happens. So I sort of think of Reiki, it's just how I think of it, mm-hmm. as sort of this, this energy, this light comes in the top of my head, moves down, splits off of my heart, goes into my hands. And that's how I visualize it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm visualizing that, have I created a reality to make Reiki possible? Yeah. That's exactly what I've done. Yeah. You know, and then the Reiki happens because mm-hmm. we're in the reality where Reiki is possible. Right. Right. You're in your bubble reality. And so these are, and so this is the thing you get to choose what that is for you. You know, I'll, I'll give the example sometimes of um, if you, if you have a, it's something that you have a question about you want advice about and you take mm-hmm. a walk in the forest with the intention of the forest giving you the answer by the time you finish your walk mm-hmm. the forest will start talking to you but if you don't do that it's a walk in the forest mm-hmm. and so it's just a matter of what reality you're you're entering into and you're entertaining and because it's a limitless universe via the second principle that reality can be anything that you want it to be mm-hmm. and if it's moving you toward your own growth and creation that's a good reality to choose. Yeah. That's in alignment with nature. Yeah. That's good. That's good. What's the, what's, that's the third principle. What's the, yeah. what's, that, what's the, the fourth, fourth principle? principle? I have a Hawaiian word uh, named Banawa, and it means uh, uh, you'll love this as a, as a Buddhist, but now is the moment of power. Mm-hmm. Now is the moment of power. It's the only moment. <laughs> well, it's the only moment, but this is, it's specific in this tradition because it's saying, yes, it is the only moment. There's only, there's only right now, but it's also saying that now is the only place where you can access power because now is the only place where you can do anything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So there, there's a sense of, which means that, that you can change the past now mm-hmm. and you can create the future now. And you can only do that right now, you know? And so, so um, yeah, so this principle is, a, a, and in that way too, it's about that all of the things that you've done in the past, you go, oh, why did I do that? It's embarrassing or, you know, like if all you have to do is in, in the now, really look at, I didn't know what I didn't know. I mm-hmm. simply didn't know what I, there, I didn't know what I didn't know is such a cause of needless suffering for, yeah. so, many, for so many of my clients. And in the now, you can just, choose a blanket forgiveness and start over you know so so uh so this principle is really getting at starting over and that if you want to do anything you do it right now and who you were yesterday is not who you are right now if that's Mm -hmm. what if you think that that's who you're not right now Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah we're constantly integrating all aspects of ourself past future we're always integrating uh, it's kind of like integ- it's kind of like when you're uh, graduated high school, you've integrated all the curriculum and the experience that you have gotten all the way up until then, 
and you just integrate it into a higher version of yourself. That's all we're just ever doing of our consciousness. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to relate this to some of my clients that I had this last year as well, and I've had for quite some time. Um, for six senses, I get clients who are coming in for their personal Mandela effects or reality shifts, and they're um, and they are puzzled to why um, their family history has completely changed. Um, certain things that they uh, that were pivotal pivotal in their um, decision as a young adult mm-hmm. was based off a of family history that no longer exists or has completely changed and altered, and they're baffled. And I always remind them of of this exact concept you did something and you changed your perspective on that person on that situation you forgave it you accepted it you no longer hold anger or resentment for it and because of that that energy was released and so you release yourself from that density and because you release yourself from that you raised your frequency and got to a higher version that higher version has a different alternate history so be thankful that you have a better version of your loved ones to enjoy. And so they're like, and, oh, okay. And it's also, if you think about it, the past is, is um, where is it? It only exists in memory. It only exists in memory. And so you, mm-hmm. and so if you change, if you, you, if you change what the memory symbolizes, you change the memory. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the Hawaiian language, there are no past or future tenses of verbs. Mm-hmm. Everything only relates to the present moment. So it, 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 there, it, it, in Hawaiian, if you were to say, uh, I'm going to the beach to go snorkeling next week, the rough translation of it would be, my going to the beach next week to go snorkeling hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, or yesterday I went to the store and bought milk becomes my having gone to the store yesterday to buy milk is now over. Yeah, it, 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 in Buddhism, in advanced Buddhism, just to relate for, um, for those people, that would just be basically being in your crystalline consciousness, your Christ consciousness. It's, Christ is another word for light. It'd be more light and light has, is timeless and exists currently right now. So when, if you think of, of, you understand that consciousness is in you, all it's doing is I haven't focused on going snorkeling yet. I haven't jumped to that experience yet. Right now I'm focusing on this. But as soon as I, I switch focus to that parallel experience, I'll go there. Yeah. And that's how you and that's how you can heal because you're just healing whatever's there right now. Right. There, yeah. Yeah. I love that. What's yeah. what's number five? Number five is aloha, which we've already talked about. Um, the easiest way to understand it in terms of a principle is that uh, it's the only ethic. It's, it's the only thing that we're looking to be present in, in every action that we take. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is love's perspective present. Is what I'm, am I doing right now leading to joy and happiness? And, uh, and so the, it's, just, it's just something that we always look at is, is, is that in, in what I'm focusing on, in what I'm doing in the present moment, in what I'm choosing to believe, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is love's perspective present. And just to say, um, only you can decide really what that is, because this does not mean that we walk around as airy fairy love beings all the time, mm-hmm. because sometimes the most loving thing to do is to, you know, to end something, to put up a boundary, to, um, uh, you know, to let someone go. Mm-hmm. That's so a hard that one for people to understand. Because it is, is you know, if, if somebody is doing something destructive, enabling them or helping them keep it going longer 
may not be the most loving thing that you could do for them. To go back to shamanism for a second. So, you know, the idea that, that in, um, that all of nature just wants to keep going. Mm -hmm. There is a yearning to get the, the it, nature does not deny itself what's good for it. You know, it doesn't turn its back on itself. It's, it, you know, the tree opens to the rain and, and extends its roots down to the soil and wants to keep going. Mm -hmm. And anything that would want to experience more of itself is fueled by joy, is fueled by love. Mm -hmm. And so to align with love and to take actions that are in alignment with love is to align with flow. Yeah. Is to align with, with, the, with the flow, with the intentionality of nature. And if you're in alignment with nature, you're, you're on the right side of things. Mm -hmm. and so and so that's how, how to think about it. it is what i'm doing right now is it moving toward my growth and creation right and that and that when we make those choices those that's an act of love that's right. the intentionality underneath it right what do you say to people who um look at negative things in life or negative actions of people um and they demonize them uh you know, as a way to see them as um, less, less Christ inside them or less light inside them. Um, I would say like negativity is just less light, less love. But you, yeah, but if you look at it, if you look at it, you address the issues that, that are, that cause that and you raise, you remove that, then it becomes its natural state. Well, what, what blocks is, aloha? What blocks what aloha? Blocks aloha is, yeah. What blocks aloha is judgment and criticism. Mm -hmm. That's what and and because because the world, the outside world, is a reflection of something about you. Hear me, because because of the world is what you think it is, which means what your world is is in some way a reflection of something about you. If you find yourself with something to judge or criticize or a person to judge or criticize, criticize those very qualities live in you. Mm -hmm. You only recognize yourself. That's right. So, yeah. you know, and so, you know, I would say, and, and, and also remember that, that whenever, whenever we lash out, when we, when we judge, when we criticize, when we, uh, when we condemn in some way, we actually have to run that energy through our system too. Yeah. You we have to process it. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, uh, the, the, um, the way to, the way to be in alignment with Aloha is rather than judgment and criticism, bless. And even if it, even just bless, bless what it is that you want, bless right. the people who have what you want, you know, right. bless, bless that person's ability to get your goat, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, but, but, but just that, that's a way to, to stay in that, you know, mm -hmm. to stay in that. And, you know, uh, um, Serge once said, he said, uh, um, Clearly, I, I'm a fan of my teacher, sir. But he says, he said, you know, I never get disappointed in anyone because people are always going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, and that's a way to keep yourself clean. Mm. You know, and and to uh, and and to not to not um, run that energy through you. Right, right, right. You pointed out something that I want to remind people because a lot of people look for um, teachers to learn things from. A good teacher will teach you and leave you to learn and to teach others. If you don't become a teacher from the material you teach from the teacher, you want a new teacher. <laughs> that's that's just my personal opinion. Okay, that's what that's what teachers are supposed to do. Because because they want they want to retire. They want the student to teach. <laughs> well and that's and it, it is about you know this work is about um 
passing it on paying it forward i have mm-hmm. never been i've never worked with it with um with a shaman or a shaman, shamanic practitioner in any in any of the places where I've, I've i've worked with them where they said i'm going to teach you this but but don't tell anyone about it or keep following me forever <laughs> yeah, or keep following me forever or anything like that it's it's about paying it forward you know right yeah right. and if you have a, if you have a half day of knowledge teach the half day of knowledge right right there's no hierarchy in shamanism there's no boss shaman that's not a thing there's a sense of respect but there isn't a sense of uh there there isn't a sense that that someone's higher up than than someone else that's not what it is what what in shamanism we're looking for effectiveness does it work mm-hmm. yeah you know? if it works and it could be applied in life and it works then it's effective you know my mother-in-law she actually teaches hula and um hawaiian language and mm-hmm. she has her whole life since she was she learned it when she was five so um so she's she's a Howie Wahini that's teaching hula and, and Hawaiian language. Um, but I I I think it goes from a, a pre-life um or a past life when she was doing that. Mm-hmm. So um how is aloha expressed in Hawaiian language and dance? Do you do you know that? How is it expressed in dance? In Hawaiian dance and language, how is aloha expressed? Um I, I, I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. I uh, I can only say that that we uh, that uh, that we would think of it like um, you know that like hula, for instance, tends to be a uh, a a uh, the the movements the movements the chants uh, mm. they're they're representative of the natural elements, you know, and in some way yeah. the, the celebration and the reverence of the natural elements. I'm certainly not someone who could speak who could speak intelligently about about hula. That's not my um, that's not my background. But I, I would think that it was just about about that celebration, about that about that reverence, about yeah. the idea of of um, uh, that I'm I'm simply honoring in the hula. The, it's the honoring of the Hawaiian environment, just right. to honor it. Yeah, you know, very good, very good. That's exactly it. That's the right answer. Bing, bing, bing. Um, okay, let's go to number six. What's the number six principle? Yeah, so that's, these principles that's a, that's are wonderful. Just studying room. these principles alone. Yeah, they're 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 so deep. They're so mm-hmm. deep, and, and uh, when you get into them and you follow Simple. them, they're, they're they're really really helpful. So yeah. the uh, the sixth principle is uh, a word, a Hawaiian word called mana, uh, and mana. Uh, the translation is all power. All power comes from within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all power comes from within okay. so clearly we're talking about divine power of which because of a limitless universe we all have access to right and it's also about that the the uh the decision or the authority another word for another uh, translation of the word mana is authority mm-hmm. and i like that word because the word author is in there to author your life yeah. Authority of your life. Love that. Uh, and but there's a sense of, of uh, that that the ability to create your life comes only through you. And this is actually we we know this as spiritual people, but this more than anything else, I find is the hardest principle to follow because in contemporary society, and we're even wired this way, we're wired to assimilate. Mm. Wired to fit in. You know, Jung, Jung talked about the superego, the part of us that is constantly, what does everyone think? How am I doing? How, how, am, I, how am I fitting into cultural values and yeah. norms and all that? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the, the need to assimilate is something that, is, um, that, that we all have. 
And the problem with it is that um, it pulls us away from inner directives and the mm. invisible, but the invisible uh, forces of, of, of spirit. Yep. And, and, and we're in other people's truth. And so this yep. is such a hard principle to follow because when we assimilate, we actually can really get off our spiritual path, you know, because all these structures are in place for us to follow mm-hmm. and to enslave us, frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. if you're, and if we're you were, we're walking around like with other people's belief systems and then following whatever construct we accepted. That's right. And, and, you know, so if, if you think about what a healer is, okay. a healer is someone who's holding a consciousness that says you can do it any way you want to do it. Right. And the person who goes to the healer is the person who's done all the right things. They have the right boyfriend. They went to the right parties. They went to the right school and something doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And they say, I'm doing all the right things. I'm following all the rules. It's not working. And the healer is the one that says, well, there's the wrong rules. Yeah. The wrong rules for you. The wrong and, rules and for you. For yeah. you. Yeah. And, and, you, and you have to decide what that is. And, you know, something like, you know, I give this example a lot. You know, if, you, if your dharma is, I'm going to open a bed and breakfast in Costa Rica. And that's what that's I'm going to do. You know? Yeah. Sure. And, and if I follow my inner directives and, and the promptings of spirit, I'm going to end up opening a bed and breakfast in Costa Rica. Mm. that you can't find that paradigm in assimilating mm-hmm. that's gotta come through you yeah you know because bed and bre- bre- breakfast in costa rica is not something that anyone's going to say oh go do that that's culturally sanctioned you yeah. know and so it's just an example but but the point is is that how do you follow your own inner promptings first and foremost and in this way you don't owe anyone anything Mm-hmm. There comes a point where we all have to go. We don't owe anyone anything. And I have to s- decide what's true and real and right for me. And the, the, the hater's going to hate, the judge's mm-hmm. going to judge, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but that's, what this is, that's what this principle is really getting at, is, mm-hmm. that, is that the power to create your life can only come through you. Even the idea of, of giving your authority away, the power within you gave your authority away. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You belittled yourself. <laughs> so, but, but, and it's your own authority that gave it away to, to authority over you, you know? And if you yeah. think of, if you think of the nature of power, there's, there's power over, which will just cause retaliation and fear because mm-hmm. mana is about power. There's power against, which will cause tension and, and that. Yeah. And then the power that comes when we empower. Mm-hmm. And how we know we have the power is if we can empower because we have the power to give away. Right, right. You know, and so that's just, that's just a way to think about it. And that we each have that. We each have that, but we have to, we, we, but it only comes from within us. And okay. no one can tell us that we have it. No, no one can uh, um, uh, in some way, wait, you know, do, do some spell to let us mm-hmm. know we have it. We have to, it has to come from us. Right. When you guys, and, and and this is this is a very good, you know, number six principle is very very good because it relates to a lot of different things. Um, energy healing, everybody can do energy healing, and the reason why everybody can tap into energy healing for you know common day stuff is because they are source, they are consciousness embodied as a fractal aspect of consciousness, which so is all just little mini. I say we're just mini eagles of source, but <laughs> that's just me. But we're, we're mini fractal expressions of the same consciousness. Mini eagles of source. Yeah, 
<laughs> mini egos. We're like, oh, we, you know, ego is your identity. Yeah, so we're all this yeah. little mini egos, mini identities of sorts in all, yeah. um, playing different parts for, you know, just different, for, for growth, amusement, fun, all that kind of stuff. Know itself. Um, but anyways, and we're just all going for the ride. Uh, mini egos going for the ride. But um, the thing about it is that, uh, you know, the more I, I do this uh, stuff and more I tell people over and over again, it just keeps going back to the concept. Listen, you are human. And if you break down the word human, H-U, hu actually means God. It's another word for God, Lord, consciousness, source. It is God in man. So just identifying as a human is to recognize that you are source consciousness in man well let me say and yes and let me take a step further and what yes, do we please. do with god what do we do with god we worship god we we revere god mm -hmm. which means that that's what we're supposed to be doing for ourselves and when we do that we actually we actually enter into that's what makes us godlike is the recognition that we are that by treating ourselves as that. And when we do that, we enter into a sympathetic vibration with God. Right. Because we're creating God down here. And that's yep. so much a part of um, that. That's so much a part of this work. There's, there's a, a, a Hawaiian um, phrase called aloha ma. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, that means a self-reflective love. Mm -hmm. And it's considered in some way, in some ways, the highest aspect. Because if, if love is being reflected back in your sense of self, mm -hmm. that means it's, it's, it's reflected back uh, in, in, in the all. Yeah. Just the way to yeah. think of it. Yeah. So many, good, so many good things to take out of principle number six. What is the last principle? You know? The last principle is pono. And mm -hmm. uh, pono is, uh, is a word uh, that means truth, true condition of nature. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the translation is, this, one, this one's unique. Uh, you, you'll get it right away, though. Effectiveness mm -hmm. is the measure of truth. Effectiveness oh. is the measure of truth. So what's true is what works. And what isn't true is what doesn't work. And, yep. this, and, and I love this principle because it, it really says that the only thing that's the only absolute truth is that everything is. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's all just something that someone made up based on whether or not it's effective for them. Right. So, right. The, the, so, and, and again, shamanism more, more than any, shamanism isn't so much about uh, uh, mystical states, although it's certainly they're there. Mm -hmm. Isn't even necessarily about a sense of an enlightenment state, even though that we, we may visit that. Shamanism mm -hmm. is about, is about it, effectiveness, about living in a human body on this earth mm -hmm. in ways that are, um, in, in ways that, that increase enjoyment. Yeah, we are just here to remember, like we were saying, for principle number six is to recognize that you are you are God in body, you're a source in body, whatever. And to be honest with you, the word God has been given such so much controversy that some people can't they can't even use that word. So more light in in yourself. But um, anyways, you know, you you can absolutely uh, you can think of it as as energy, as chi, as uh, as prana, as mm -hmm. um, uh, as universal love. As, I mean, there are so many ways to uh, to think about it. The yeah. one that, the one that doesn't work for me 
is the one that is an off-planet othering thing that <laughs> that has good days and bad days and judges. That's just, you know, and it's usually male. You know, that's, yeah. that's you know, that's that's absolutely not what I'm talking about when when I say God. I'm just talking about uh, I'm talking about source, that 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 thing that's beating your heart. Right. And, you know, you mentioned something that um, that I wanted to bring up because there is this concept in some spiritual circles of the Galactic Federation, the Council of, you know, whatever. No problem. Um, but there's still source in those as well. Directing the orchestra of the greater creation of samsara, the greater creation of this big masterpiece that it is experiencing. So what are your thoughts on people who um, put so much of that godly, you know, reverence, you know, pedestal on the concepts of the galactic federation of, or the council of, or, you know, the off-world beings of? It's not something I relate to. I think of it this way. The more, the more realized we become, Mm -hmm. the more full we become, the more love we have in our life, the more abundance we have, the organic, organic impulse when that happens is mm-hmm. to pay that forward, is mm-hmm. to in some way help others with theirs. Right. And, and I think that, that if you think about what, what is a truly realized human, it's someone who is at a point where they've done their own work enough that they just want to help. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, when we talk about the, 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 the spiritual beings that hover around the planet, that's why they hover around the planet. Yeah. That's all they want to do is help. Yeah. Because they you recognize know. we're all connected. So you just, all they're doing is helping aspects of themselves. So, yeah. You know, so I, I think of it, I think of it more like that we're not, we're, um, they're a little bit farther along or they, they, they've done it enough to where they really get it, you know, mm-hmm. but essentially, essentially we're, we, we are, uh, you know, the Hawaiians very much think of themselves as um, there's an aspect of a particularly ancient Hawaiian um, of a sense of, of uh, that uh, uh, that we are godlike, that yeah. that, we, that we you know we we emulate God by uh, uh, that God is in ourselves and and there's a sense that we're not really all of that different. Yeah, yeah, and this is not just this is not just kind of talking in um, in these traditions. It's already it's already been scientifically proven, and people who've read my books are all very scientifically based. We're all connected. There is consciousness in everybody. There is one stream of consciousness in everything within creation. The good guys, the bad guys, same stream of consciousness in all. And um, and we are all interconnected. So this has even scientifically been proven. Well, and along but, the same lines, along the same lines, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a Caucasian man, although I'm very tan because I live in Hawaii. But I'm a I'm a, I'm a Caucasian man who wrote you know wrote a book on on this material. And you know, the cultural appropriation piece has come up. And I'm very sensitive to it. And in fact, a, a, partial, a portion of the proceeds of my book go to a Hawaii Wildlife Fund just to just to pay that forward. But I'm sensitive to it. But I also am at a point where I think we all have to realize that there really is only one mind, yeah, of which we can all tune into, yeah, and that all of this esoteric wisdom that that heretofore you go back 50 years. You, you can't find a, a, a spirituality section at Barnes and Noble like we have now. Yeah. And we have to assume that the spiritual intelligences of the universe know what they're doing in bringing all of this spiritual wisdom to the fore. All this esoteric wisdom, Hawaiian shamanism, you're, you're turning on your computer and, 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 and learning about that today. We yeah. have to assume that that's happening for a reason. And mm-hmm. it is because part of where we're going 
is around more people need to have this information yeah. so that they can help others, yeah. you know, because of this big change that we're making. Yeah. Within ourselves, within each of us. Within ourselves and, and, and just the, the, uh, the uh, ascension of consciousness on, on yeah. the planet, you know, which is that, that sounds too highfalutin. It's just moving more towards love, moving, exactly. moving more towards cooperation, moving more towards being ecologically minded. That's what we're talking about. Well, let me ask you something real quick too about about principle number seven, effectiveness yeah. as the um, as a measurement of what works. Yeah. Um, what about people who, you know, who really, really still believe in the devil? It's and you know, just kind of the, the whole devil hell and the cabal and you know whatever you know you want to brand this concept that is always going to keep you down. Um, where, where, how can somebody find the effectiveness and find the truth out of that to recognize that they are source embodied and they have control to create whatever they want to. And there's nothing holding you down besides yourself and your belief in it. Going back to the first principle, your belief in it is what creates your reality and what you're experiencing. So how do you address that one for people? Well, yeah, a couple things. You have to want to. Mm. See, there, there, there are benefits in our stuckness, always. There are always benefits. There, there are benefits in, in um, compromised situations that are chronic, that keep having compromised patterns. There are always benefits. You don't have to show up. You don't have to feel feelings. You don't have to find out the bad news if I tried and it didn't work. There's all kinds of reasons why why we say why we stay stuck, you know, mm. and there are all kinds of of, um, of psychological reasons why that feel that that uh, uh, aligning with the idea that I might be bad oh. or I might be unworthy or I might be unlovable, given that childhood and given the fact that that children uh, take everything personally and mm. adapt and and gain a sense of self based on how they're treated, and so there is there is a sense that that people can very much align their sense of self with negative qualities, mm -hmm. but they would have to want to actually heal that and change that. And, it, and, it, it, and it's, it's, it's always a case of mistaken identity, uh -huh. always. but it would have, it would, it would have to be a choice, you know, and there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's a sense of, you know, with something like hell, there is a sense of that punishment is uh, appropriate. That punishment is appropriate for me in some way that that um um and something that keeps me in line and 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 all those things and i, I just um it doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem to have a lot of aloha in that perspective there 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 yeah there there isn't there just isn't a sense of um uh you know there there's certainly intentional harm that exists in in um uh in in hawaiian cosmology or in, in you know anywhere yeah but, but the idea of of uh, a kind of um badness eternal punishment it's just not something that for uh, young souls yeah it's not it's not it's just not something that i that i uh i, I really relate to at all you know and yeah. uh, i just think it's it's divine you know when you think of someone that you would consider evil it's just so, how their divinity has so been obscured right 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 so obscured you know so forgotten right. you know and they're so lost they're so lost and they're forgotten you know, I, I like to say sometimes that when you put 
when you demonize certain people and you, and you create these labels to demonize them, to belittle them, you allow yourself to separate your unity to them and separate source and consciousness in them so that you feel justified to, um, you see, to see and act in a negative way. And that creates your own imbalance in your life. And that is something that, again, is something that you are going to have to heal because um, we know that source is in everybody. And um, the more that you continue to label and continue to drum that viewpoint, the more you put them in that box and not allow them to find the light inside them and raise and, themselves you know, up. I, this, is, this, this, is, this is a little judgmental, but take it how I mean it. Um, you know, if you think that, that if we could all just, and we don't even do this, clean up our own mess enough that it doesn't spill over into someone else's experience. If we could right. just do that, you know, and like, uh, um, and, and th that's not a big ask, but, mm -hmm. but that's really, that's really, um, that's really where we are. And I feel like, I feel like the inability to do that or the refusal to do yeah. that yeah. is what I would consider, you know, kind of true negativity or true sort of sin yeah. in some ways. Not that I like that word, but you know, I don't, yeah. for lack of a better it's word. Ignorance. In Buddhism, we would call it ignorance. The only real sin that humans or embodied gods in man, the only sure. real sin that we really have is ignorance, is not understanding the full picture, understanding from the, and that's why there's always that life review. Love number seven. I love number seven. That really gets into a lot of um, esoteric um, debates. And we do a lot of debating um, in Buddhism. So let's go into the healing. Um, so you, you start a bunch of healing retreats all over the world and you teach some of your courses. So um, what are some of the things that people can learn in and experience in these healing retreats and um, courses that you offer? Well, uh, I, I guess just just to go along with uh, with the book. I mean, the, 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 there are a lot of healing practices in, in the book. Um, uh, the the cornerstone practice, which is a kind of a cornerstone Hawaiian healing practice, is this practice called Ho'oponopono. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ho'oponopono is um, uh, it roughly means uh, we know that word pono from the seven principle rightness, mm -hmm. but it's double ponopono. And ho'o means to make or to cause. So it's to make right, more right. Mm -hmm. Not that you made a mistake, but that it was part of the experience to make it more right. That, that's right. And right with yourself, right with God. That's another way to think of it as within, so without. But, um, but ho'oponopono, as I teach it, and as I understand it, there are lots of different versions of it. Um, I, I teach two in my classes. Um, but the, the one that I teach mainly is the one around um, the parts of us that don't like ourselves very much that mm. are chronically scared of money that are addicted that are that think that we're unlovable that think we don't look right that think mm. we're not smart enough to think you know all those things that you know those are learned things they mm. they are learned things that and when we learn them they made sense for us to learn them that way because mm. under the circumstances of course i would feel unlovable under the circumstances of course money is scary of course under the circumstances of course i don't look right Mm. And, and so, and so the healing practice is really about Ho'oponopono is about going directly to that hurt part, seeing it for what it is. And it's five, it's six, it's four, it's 14, 
<laughs> and uh, you know, and and because you know, formative years are called formative years for a reason. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, and in some ways, um, sending love, uh, attention, forgiveness, mm-hmm. and gratitude to this part of you. There's a whole the whole process that um, that you go about doing that, so that this inner child, this this inner child that's hurt, that has a case mm-hmm. of mistaken identity. Uh, is in, in some way learns and is reparented toward a new understanding of themselves. And that new mm-hmm. understanding is one in which they look exactly like they're supposed to look, in which they're smart enough to do exactly what they're supposed to do, in which, in which um, uh, um, I'm, uh, m- money, money is, it, there's always enough, whatever, whatever that is. But you're mm-hmm. actually, but a whole point upon more than anything is about making right something, uh, an obscuration, yeah. That, that we in some way um, that we in some way adopted and we and we um, consciously go in there and change. And mm-hmm. so Ho'oponopono is um, it's, it's a, pra- a healing practice, but it's also I really think of it as a way of life. Mm-hmm. Because if we are giving, you know, the four I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. If we're giving that to this hurt part of us, mm-hmm. to this child who's been hurt over and over and over again in the actions we take and who we invite into our life mm-hmm. in what beliefs we choose and whether or not we learn and, re- and read the shaman's mind to make our life better, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that is, uh, that in some way we are, we are um, uh, in a constant process of remembering our divinity. And Ho'oponopono is about restoring the original divinity. We all come in perfect. We all come in a perfect being, a, 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 a stainless, uh, blemishless, Mm-hmm. Uh, a canvas of divinity and then right. we go through the process of forgetting it and Ho'oponopono is about restoring that right yeah so basically it's just about diving into where did you pick up these belief systems about yourself that you are projecting and creating unconsciously from that's right yeah that's right. It, it's basically doing your own or your own deep dive psychology <laughs> well, what I love, what I love about this philosophy, particularly uh, uh, Ho'oponopono, and you know, we, we didn't touch on it, we probably won't today, but but the idea of three selves or, or three aspects of, of being, yeah, uh, three aspects that we all have: the body, the mind, and the spirit, essentially. And uh, uh, and you know, the aspect of three selves that's in Jungian psychology, Freudian psychology, a lot of the um, uh, a lot of original peoples have this, these three aspects of self. A lot of earth-based traditions, Wicca has three aspects of self. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and what I love about when I came ac- across Huna was that this was not only a shamanic philosophy, but a shamanic psychology. Mm-hmm. What we thought, what 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 Freud and Jung came to, had long been discovered, mm-hmm. and long been discovered in in a way that that was more complete and that included the spirit in a more integrated way. Right, thousands of years before contemporary the contemporary uh, psychological models that we know, right. and that's that's what I, I I love about it. So it, it really is about like shamanic psychology. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. The Lemurian spirituality is live and kicking in Hawaii. In Hawaii, Huna. <laughs> so I love it. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to um fin- finishing out that book series um to round off and end of Hawaii. You know, um, your book, The Shaman's Mind, goes into more details about what we discussed today. So are you working on online courses to offer people if yeah, they can't I make have, it to um, the retreats to learn? 
Yeah. So the best way, the best way to make sure you're on my mailing list, go to um, mindbodyspiritmaui.com or jonathanhammond.com. We'll take you there too. And there's a way to, to sign up. I do have a, I have a, a, a course based on my book, a video course based on my book that's coming up um, uh, in the next couple of months. We just mm. finished filming it uh, maybe two weeks ago. So there's, it's now in post-production. Fresh, yeah. but, but that's a way in which you can, um, if, you, if you get on my mailing list, you'll get an announcement when that comes out. And, and I have a, a monthly shamanic circle that I do online that uh, is something that, that people can come. Right now, I just, um, you know, I just, I just finished the, the whole book tour and all that. So I'm giving myself sort of the summer with, yeah. no, with no classes and the except for the video course that's coming out. But, but that's the easiest way to get, get a hold of me. And I also do private, um, uh, you know, private uh, consultations, private, uh, private spiritual counseling with people as well. And we even do, a lot of times we'll do energy healing via, via distance. I do, I do that as well. So all yeah. that's on my website. You can find me that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, you're working as much as I work. <laughs> they, they are having us working, aren't they? Um, you know, Jonathan, what last message do you want people to know as they build the fifth dimension um, here on earth and as they harness more of that infinite consciousness within themselves? You're last message. You, yeah, you're better than you think you are. It's better than you think it is. Healing is real. It's like a thing. It actually mm -hmm. exists. Uh, and um, uh, to follow love, follow your love. If you follow your love, that's, and, and how do you do that? You focus on what it is that you want. And you don't focus on what it is that you don't want. And as simple as that is, if you actually make that a practice, that aligns you with flow, with love, with nature. I love it. I love it. Well, Jonathan, thank you for providing your spiritual teachings in Huna wisdom from the ancient teachings of Hawaiian shamanism. I'm glad to see that the um, Lemurian um, spiritual tradition is alive in the Polynesian islands, in Laos, in Southeast Asia, and in Hawaii. So, and that there's teachers like yourself and others sharing the information. So for more information about Jonathan's offerings, please visit his website, which is mindbodyspiritmaui.com. And thank you to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Mahalo, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.